Make a donation today at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Three and it goes like You're this. Bill Murray. Bill Groundhog Day Ghost Busting Ass Murray. I like this beat. I do like it. It's got a samba vibe. Check it out. Here go. I want to. I want to. Check, yeah. check. I said I want to. Three, check, check. I want to. Ah, uh, uh huh. I want to. Check, check. I said uh. Nah, 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 nah. Yo. Um, I'm gonna kick a freestyle. This one right here. Um, it's gonna be talking about Africa. So rhyme I broke when I came to the motherland. Get out, man. I move like that. I'm smooth like that. I jive like that. I roll like that. Yeah, I'm thick like that. I stack like that. I'm down like that, I'm black like that. Yo, I funk like that, I'm fat like that, I'm in like that, cause I swing like that. We jazz like that, we freak like that, we zoom like that. We out, we out, we out. All right, let's set up a simulation over there. You see the distance, watermelon hanging from those gallows? Yes. <laughs> let's just say that that watermelon represents the head of your That is to say, we know there are some things we do not know. But there are also unknown unknowns. The ones we don't know, we don't know. Excuse me, but is this an unknown unknown? Uh, I'm not. Several unknowns, and I'm, I'm just wondering I'm not this going, is an unknown I'm not going to say which it is. You mocked me once, never do it again. Your internet radio dial is in the perfect position, and Race to the Bottom is on the air. Time to sit back and enjoy some refreshing Winslow tea. Try it hot, lukewarm, or over ice. Have it with milk and sugar, or a lemon wedge, or oh natural. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Now that's Winslow tea. A New York City tradition since 1872. Ask for it by name at the tea house or your local greengrocer. Because that's how you know it's Winslow.
from the Winslow Tea Broadcast booth in cloudy but kind Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm John Reed. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this is Race to the Bottom, baby. Yeah. How's it going, everybody? My opening monologue, as always, is sponsored by Winslow Tea. And uh, for those watching on the Instagram live stream, you're you're seeing my my famous thermos, which prevents the slurp. Let's see if I can slurp with the thermos. That was a weak slurp, and that was my last sip, but it's good to the last drop. Please hashtag your tea drinking experiences with hashtag how you know to steep into the conversation and or hashtag slurp to enhance if you can slurp to uh, be part of that slurperation. That's not a good word. So we got a special one today and I want to tell you all about it. Can't touch that mic. That, that, uh, sends a shockwave. Keep that in mind. We got a, we got a big one. We got Scott Bunn going to be joining the program. The, uh, everybody loves him. Breakout star of, of the show. Uh, aside from Dr. Dad, my, my doctor, your dad. No, your doctor, my dad. Sorry, Dr. Dad. Aside from Dr. Dad, I'd say Scott Bunn might be, uh, well, then, then there's Tom, there's Dr. Lisa, who's going to be on the show next week. You get the drift. We'll bring Scott on in a second. Let me tell you what was in the mashup. So, something that I don't understand, and this is maybe something Dr. Dad could explain to me. How is it that I've got, I did this mashup this year, I have last year's mashup, and then I have mashups from two years ago. You would think I'd be, if I have mashups from three years running, wouldn't that mean that I've been doing the show for three years, but I've only been doing it for two and some change? How is that possible? I don't get the math. It's like how they say the Civil War took place across five Aprils, but it only happened for four years. That's something I'll never understand. But what I do understand is what is was in that mashup. We heard from... Bill Murray, the Jizza and the Rizza and Bill Murray on uh, in that classic scene from Coffee and Cigarettes, the uh, Jim Jarmusch movie. We heard from Ludicrous, Diggable Planets, Speech from Arrested Development. We heard from Caddyshack 2, Mrs. Esterhouse. Heard from Roy Ayers, who, um, if you're new to the program, uh, lived in in my my wife's apartment building growing up. How cool is that? We heard from Frank Ocean, Joao Gilberto. Just a moment, uh, just a little snippet of Joao Gilberto. He died. Uh, he passed on two years ago. Um, and that's this this mashup is a mashup of of three mashups. Stuff I did this year, stuff I did last year, and stuff I did two years ago. Which seems like it should be three years ago, as I've already mentioned. We heard from Don Rumsfeld, rest in peace. We'll, we'll really miss you, buddy. And we heard from the Princess Bride, I died that day. Right? Just like, just like Don Rumsfeld, you died that day. So, how are we doing on time? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I think it's about time to bring in 
Scott Bunn. Let me, but let me try to set this up real quick um, and and talk about what uh, what we're doing today. We uh, there was this all started when I was listening to um, "When Doves Cry" by Prince. You know the song "When Doves Cry." And there's a story behind that song. That song doesn't have a bass, a bass track. It um, is is absent. And it had a bass track. But I think the story, the apocryphal story goes that Prince was in the studio and the engineer had the, the bass track muted accidentally. And then it was a eureka moment. Oh my God. It really sets this song apart to not have a bass line. So I said to myself, John, what are the, what are the, uh, the pieces of art where something is omitted, either intentionally or accidentally, that, that makes it what it is? And I reached out to people on Facebook to help me. I've, I've got some of those things that, that you guys said. And I also have a, a really smart dude to help me out with this. Let's see if I can get him on the air. Scott, you there? Scott Bunn? Hey, I'm here. Oh my God. I I hear you. I got to turn off uh, Radio Free Brooklyn. Hold on one second. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I hear it echoing in there. Oh yeah, that's a cool right. feedback. How's loop. that? That's great. How's it going? I'm doing really well. Thanks. I'm happy to be a breakout star. People love your voice, Scott. <laughs> I guess they do. You know, Everybody I'm, says, "Who's that guy with the voice?" <laughs> I'm not joking. People have said that, and oh, they say. David Schwimmer. <laughs> so did you? So you had the the show on in the background to kind of have the context. So you heard my introduction, right? Yeah, I did. So how, what would you? Uh, did I do a good job? <laughs> <laughs> John, you always do a good job. You make me laugh. Thank you. Thank you. Did you hear that mashup? Uh, the mashup was pretty sweet. I heard only a little bit of it. Um, yeah, um, I, I'm glad we're pushing uh, Donald Rumsfeld into the dustbin of history. Mm-hmm. Well, there's known unknowns, and that's that's one of them, I think. <laughs> I mean, like, if he had any um, any sense of irony or perspective, he'd put that on his gravestone. Yeah. Um, but you know, like, I, I, I don't know. He's then going, people would be peeing go- on it. So yeah, he's going into the known unknown, right? <laughs> death, death would be a known unknown, right? Cause we don't know what's going to happen when we die. It is a known unknown. Yeah. Uh, but it's also an unknown known. <laughs> it's so confusing. Did you see that Errol Morris documentary, um, with that same I, I title? Didn't. Oh man! I, I didn't. I I feel like we could unpack that entire 
thing for like three hours in some kind of who's on first routine mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'd never get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Well, he keeps your head spinning while he uh, while he commits war crimes, right? <laughs> it's, it's true. It's like the... I, I, I admit it. It's like the Bugs Bunny thing where it's like, he's over there. No, he's over there. And then, and then he's like, and then he's off. Off onto the next adventure. And you're like, wait, where'd he go? No. <laughs> yes, I agree with <laughs> you. Yes, he is like Bugs Bunny. <laughs> so, so Scott, we're going to do a couple things. I, I, we're going to talk about uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder, which was the fun title I gave to this idea of of works of art that that are missing something. Maybe you have a few. I have some from our listeners. I'm going to tell people. Uh, and I'm going to get you to tell them. It's better they hear from you about reclinernotes.com, your new uh, website. Um, and then we're going to, you've been writing a lot about Bob Dylan. So I th- I thought, well, how's this for a shoehorn? Um, <laughs> uh, I thought, what, you know, how can we fit in some Bob Dylan? Well, well what about covers where Bob Dylan, it's, it's a, it's Bob Dylan without Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan is uh, intentionally or unintentionally absent from the equation, but his his songwriting is present. So we're going to listen to a couple of your favorite Bob Dylan covers because you uh, shot mine down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say I did shoot them down. You're entirely true. But those are like the go-to Bob Dylan covers, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you were to say, what are the most famous Bob Dylan covers, you would say Jimi Hendrix and Nina Simone. And I thought, why not do something maybe that people haven't heard before? Uh, Hey, that's why why you're a guest. And we're going to... A breakout star. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You're not doing the the trite... uh, dribble that kind of stuff that i would do on the show every week yeah yeah that's 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 what you do you're you're always like yeah i just run to first base yeah um so do you have have you been thinking about this topic do you have any examples of 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 art or i was thinking even i was trying to think of a sport because you're a sports guy also you've got a show called the steve Sachs syndrome uh on Asheville fm and I, do you have any I, I thoughts uh, off the top of your head of, of sports uh, where somebody was was missing? Like, was there a, a a game where where the star was missing and they still uh, you know brought it or, or something like that? Well, it's funny because I thought about this topic from an art perspective, uh-huh. um, but um, since you're putting me on the spot with sports, the first thing that comes to mind. Have you ever heard, uh, so you know Bill Simmons, who used to write for ESPN and Grantland and now has his own site, The Ringer. He had that sort of, and I know Simmons is kind of out of favor with uh, the the cool kids in Mm -hmm. sports dialogue, which I count myself as one, Uh, but I... As, but, you know, Simmons was formative for a lot of us in thinking about sports in a different way. And he he has this whole thing called the Ewing theory, 
which is good for your New York base uh, mm-hmm. audience there. Um, where it was something that he sort of put together with a reader of his, where the Knicks would always play better when Patrick Ewing, their best player, was out um, for injury or whatever. And so, you know, Simmons has always had this thing of like uh, examples of teams who did better, who sort of like came together as a group to say like, we have to overcome this because our best player is out. And one example of the Ewing theory from my own perspective is uh, the Buffalo Bills, my favorite football team Mm -hmm. back in the 90s. They had one of the great comebacks in playoff history against the then Houston Oilers where Frank Reich was the quarterback and not their star Jim Kelly. Okay. so that's one example of the Ewing theory, and I think that's I, I think that works for uh, this idea of sort of missing something, the missing limb, as it were. You want to hear a couple from uh, our audience, our the the racing yeah, bottle sure. community. Sure. The Doors uh, famously don't have a bass player. Oh, I like that. Um, Let It Be Naked, the, the, the version of Let It Be without uh, the Phil Spector big orchestration, which is a pretty great version of that record. Yeah. That's, that's from my buddy Mikael. He never listens to this show anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Adrian Brody was cut out of uh, the Thin Red Line. Did you know that? Oh, yeah, that's right. And, uh, and George Clooney, too. George Clooney had this whole character arc and the movie was already four hours long and he's in the movie for like 30 seconds. I think that might've been from, um, our mutual friend, Mike, Mike Vago, uh, Mike Vago, Vago. Sorry. Sorry, Mike. He's going to be on the show in a, in a few weeks. I'm finally having him on race to the bottom. Um, my buddy Dave thought of how, uh, he's a big Hamilton guy, and and the the song "The World Was Wide Enough" that it, it uh, it's big and you know over the top uh, like a lot of that musical is. But then halfway through, the music drops out, and um, and Lin Manuel Miranda just spits hot fire without like a cappella. No, I like that one. <laughs> uh, I'm also a Hamilton guy. You, you know what he's talking about there? I do, yeah. I think somebody was trying to be a wise guy with this one. They said in the first draft of the Bible, they inadvertently left God out. <laughs> what a wise guy. That's a joke, right? <laughs> Maybe. Um, Tarantino not showing what's in the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. Ah, great one. On, on that tip, uh, the adults in Peanuts not... Uh, just being the uh, trombone sounds. Love it. Um, that's enough for now. So I've got two. Okay. Um, one that uh, they're both music. Um, and well, they kind of the first one leads into Bob Dylan. Okay, great. Well, do the, then do this. Do the second one first, so then we'll do that one, and then it will lead into Bob Dylan. How's that for Yeah, exactly. Okay. So it actually starts with a writer um, who I know you admire as well, Hanif Abdurakub. Mm-hmm. 
so um, so Hanif, a few uh, a few months ago, was on a podcast. I'll give him a shout out called "Millennials Are Killing Capitalism." Yes, I listened and to this. It was uh, excellent about MF Doom. Yes. So he was on twice. He was on an amazing episode um, with a with another writer. Uh, whose name is escaping me right now, and I'm on live radio. But then he was on another one, an earlier one, when the rapper MF Doom um, was announced that you know he had passed away a few months before. And so Hanif was on this podcast to talk about um, about Doom and you know his work and and life. And he said this beautiful thing about MF Doom. Um, that I, I'm going to be writing about in recliner notes hey. uh, about, about Bob Dylan, but it it was this idea of Doom famously would appear on stage wearing a metal mask, right? And yeah. that's what the MF the MF stands for metal face, right? And it was like this sort of like um, a version of the gladiator mask, but it was. A, it was a way for him to hide his persona, uh, hide his literal face, and he could just get up there and rap. And what Hanif was saying was that, you know, withholding his persona, um, MF Doom's persona, um, is an act of generosity um, as an artist huh. because it it allows the audience to create their own blueprint for this guy for this artist we as an audience have to fill in our own spaces on the blueprint i'm not quoting him directly this is my interpretation of what he said um and i thought that 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 was incredibly beautiful and especially with this theme is that we're missing mf doom's face uh, but he's intentionally I'm sorry. I just uh, played. I was just trying to play some MF Doom, and it played on the wrong computer. You did say your last <laughs> thought again. Um, I was. It was going to be so subtle. I was going to bring in MF Doom, <laughs> and it was blasted all of a sudden. There we all go. Right, okay, I have it in. I have uh, his his instrumentals in the background now, and and you can make your just rewind like ten seconds. Okay, let's see. It's incredibly beautiful that MF Doom is hiding his face so that um, we as, uh, as listeners and as an audience are, um, are left to our own imaginations, right? Um, to fill in our own spaces about who this guy is, but it's based entirely on mm-hmm. the mask but also on the words and music that he's created. Love it. And that's kind of like Tino from My So-Called Life that my research team just just uh, wrote and, and uh, said. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you never see Tino in My So-Called Life. Or the, or the guy in Home Improvement behind the uh, fence. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's equally beautiful. <laughs> nice. Um. Fred Moten is the, is the Fred Moten. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. 
And I, I encourage everybody to listen to both of those episodes of Millennials Are Killing Capitalism. First, the one about MF Doom, but then it's a two and a half hour. The other one is a two and a half hour conversation between Hanif and Fred Moten. I've listened to it twice. It's it's, it's so amazing. deep. Yeah. One of your friends on Facebook uh, actually suggested that to us on, on a thread that we were both on. Or at least that's how I found out about it. Yeah. Um, and then you co-signed. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm a good co-signer. Yeah. Um, so before you you do your second one, can I uh, can, can I talk about critical race theory for a second? <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the deal with critical race theory? Now I'm I know it's it's almost hackneyed at this point. Everybody's freaking out about it, but I had a thought, and I think because we're talking hip hop, I, I just wanted to to say this, if it's okay with you, Scott. Yeah, um, go for it. You have the floor. It's your mic. <laughs> so, um, I was thinking about how like all these people are, you know, they're they're trying to uh, infiltrate school boards now so that they can put cameras in in uh, classrooms to make sure that they're not teaching that uh, you know the Civil War was about slavery and not states' rights and. And they don't want these white kids to feel bad about themselves and uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, right. So it's it's interesting because there's this like defensiveness as uh, from from white people as we mm-hmm. we often get in our in our uh, history in this country, um, you know, and and kind of this protection against. Um, you know the wound, this like ego wound that that uh, that these people are trying to uh, put in place um, through this whole thing. And I was thinking that as a, f- I was wondering if uh, how pervasive this is. And I was just thinking about like to my to me when I hear that white people suck, I- I'm like, yeah, white people suck. But that doesn't like hurt me personally to to admit that. Um. And I was trying to think about why, and I think part of it is growing up a hip hop fan, um, mm-hmm. because you know there's the classic thing of like the white kid listening to rap where they say the n word and you know you're not allowed or supposed to say it, right? And you deal with that cognitive dissonance the whole time, um, and and you have to be okay with it, right? Or if you're listening to like Dead Prez and they say like I'm down for running up on the crackers in their city hall, you're like yeah, but not really yeah. Like I'm not actually gonna go and and uh, you know uh, do that. Um, you know, or if you're listening to Black Star um, and their their songs uh, about like you stay black, you know, I can like nod my head and be like yeah, this is. This is my jam, but I also know that as much as I love it and as much as hip hop is has been a part of who I am for for decades, I'm also not all the way down, and that's okay. Hmm. Yeah, um, lots of thoughts. Uh, can I respond? Yeah, that's why I stopped talking. 
Okay. <laughs> I was just making sure you stopped talking, but I was like, I don't know, maybe he has four more paragraphs to go. Yeah. Um, so um, just to put in a plug, I actually wrote about this a little bit on recliner notes um, because, right, it race, race is the um, is the defining aspect of what this country is, right? Mm -hmm. um, and um, the push and pull about race uh, has never left American history and will never leave American history, I don't think. Yeah. Um, and so I, I don't think those are hot takes, no. but maybe they are. Um, so They are in some circles. I they mean, are you're, in you're some kind, circles. That's kind of critical race theory, Scott. Yeah. And so what we're, what we're talking about, though, is shame, not mm -hmm. guilt. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was writing about and some stuff that I've, you know, been doing with work, but obviously has bled over, how can it not, into my personal life and thinking about this. And so I write a, wrote about this in recliner notes on um, the Bob Dylan song, Blind Willie McTell. And, but this is this idea about Brene Brown has been talking about guilt is saying I did something bad. But shame says, I am bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what, what, and there's, there's a woman that we've been working with in my work that, um, named Brandy Brooks, who, who, you know, brought these ideas of guilt and shame and, and really this idea that vulnerability is the antidote to shame. Um, so I'm quoting her, and it's in my piece here. When we believe our shame, we miss out on transformation and growth, on restoration and wholeness, namely for ourselves, but for others as well. Vulnerability is an act of courage, not an act of weakness. But I think that's what's happening with this debate on critical race theory is that um, is a whole slew of white people afraid of being vulnerable afraid of of show uh, they feel like they're showing weakness by mm -hmm. exposing themselves to any of that so they're wallowing in shame um so that's my take on it and also a little plug for Brene brown mm -hmm. brady brooks and recliner notes what do you think about that um well we we're getting um some some pushback or, or, or just from, from listeners here. Um, and, uh, Rena who hosts a really great show on Fridays called, um, oral medication, uh, which people should check out. Um, she says, I'm oversimplifying CRT. I know I am. Um, that's, yeah, well, that's, and, and that's the, yeah. that's the joke, right? Because all these people are saying, I don't want this critical race theory in my school. Right. But it's like, you know, if you can listen to a, a million things on on, uh, you know, different reports about what critical race theory actually is and how, you know, these people are lumping all these um, uh, other, you know, even if, if people use the word intersectionality or diversity or inclusion in schools, then that's now part of critical race theory as far as some of these laws are are saying so. Um, but Re Rena wonders why um, 
why race is what this country is all about. Uh, why, how is that mm. a given? It, isn't that a bit reductive? Um, do school children need to do exercise to reflect their white privilege? Which, um, you know, we, we could spend the whole rest of the show. Uh, uh, I didn't want the whole show to be about critical race theory and, and all that stuff. I mean, those, those are, are good questions. I don't think that, um, you know, I think it's, it's complicated and it's like, uh, you know, I can just say as, as a teacher myself, I'm just always trying to think about how to get my kids to think critically. And I would say that, you know, the, the, I, I don't know if you, if Scott, if you said, the, the entire history of the, of the United States is about race. I, I don't, I'm, if you said yeah. that, I think you were speaking a bit hype, hyperbolically. Um, yeah. It, it, if, I, yes, if those were my specific choice of words, then it was a very broad generalization. Yeah. So yes. Um, would I write those words that way? Probably not, <laughs> but here we are. It's the magic of live radio. Yeah. So thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah. Um, thanks for that. Uh, pushback. Um, I, I guess it's just woven. It's it's inextricably woven into the fabric yeah, of our. It's embedded. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a thing called slavery. Um, on that note, uh, people also say that jaw, the jaws, the the mechanical shark in Jaws kept breaking. <laughs> And it that's for- a great transition. <laughs> and but for- yeah, that's a great example of something that's missing from art. They say it forced them to use the camera as the shark POV so they could have the shark in the scene more without seeing the shark. It's so much better and scarier than a fake fish. I can't imagine that movie without that shot. And that reminds me, there's this great um, uh, documentary about cinematography and film called Visions of Light. And Martin Scorsese is in there, you know, Scorsese who talks, you know, a hundred words a second uh, about film and is so great about film. But he talks about some of those old film noir movies and how how they don't ever show the monster. But it turns out that the shadow did it. Wow. Um, Yeah. Which is really cool, which is basically what the what the lack of shark is in jaws it's the shadow doing it what was your second so the first one was mf doom and then the second uh example you ha- well, you said was going to lead to bob dylan well it is bob dylan okay because yeah are we ready to go into let's, that let's do it all right so i mean dylan is somebody like mf doom who is totally withholding in his persona um, but creating that generosity, as Hanif would talk about, um, where, I mean, his name isn't Bob Dylan, you know, it's Robert Zimmerman, but he, uh, he grew up Jewish in a small town in far, far north of Minnesota, um, but he moved to New York City in the early 60s and created this persona for himself, um, whole cloth. And these were tall tales or lies, you know, that he um, that his name was Bob Dylan, that he belonged to a traveling circus. Um, but each of these kind of tall tales and 
uh, how he would talk about who he was, um, you know, continued to change and evolve with him as an artist. And so, you know, every time I write about a specific song in recliner notes, and that's what that's what the whole hook is on recliner notes is each post is about an individual song. And for the next year or so, I'm writing specifically about Bob Dylan songs. Um, but um, I have to sort of ground myself in saying, who is the persona that Bob Dylan mm. is putting forth, mm -hmm. not only in this time period, but maybe in this song, it might be different in the persona that he's putting forward in a different song on yes. the same album. And so, and so that's where sometimes when I'm writing and digging into these songs, you know, these are real deep dive analysis of the songs, you know, doing a close reading of the text, the lyrics, but also the music that sometimes I'm thinking, okay, is this Dylan who's saying this or is this the narrator of the song? Mm -hmm. And so, that whole so there's a, a, a definitely a presentation there that creates a withholding that Hanif is talking about that I, that there's something missing there. So I just went really deep on it, no, but I I've been that. going really deep in, into Bob Dylan, and you can't you can't help but do it when when you when you're forcing yourself to sort of live within the confines of an individual song. So do you want to look at Billy or, or Foot of Pride? Um, sure. Let's, uh, let's do that. Um, you know, Billy is one that, you know, I wrote about a few weeks ago, and Foot of Pride is going to be going up uh, tomorrow. So you choose. Let's, let's start with Billy. I, um, this is a cover um, of Billy from uh, Gillian Welsh, who's one of my all-time favorite musicians. Um, let's... I don't know if you're going to be able to hear this, but uh, uh, let's just, I'm going to play a moment of this for the audience and then you can, um, she's talking. I think that this, I'm going to just pause it for a second. I think that this is performed in the, the um, what is it called? The Station Inn in Nashville, which I got, okay. I got to see Gillian Welsh there and I met her and I talked to her. And played a song for her after the show, and it was one of the wow. best uh, experiences in my life. So, I'm um, I'm just gonna play like a minute of this, and and then uh, and then you can talk about Billy. But let's give this uh, give this a little listen. Bounty hunters too, they like to get 
That is pretty. So tell us about about Billy, Scott. Yeah. Um, so um, so Dylan was um, was brought in to do the the soundtrack for a Sam Peckinpah movie in the early seventies called Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Uh, it starred James Coburn as Pat Garrett and Chris Christopherson as Billy the Kid, and. Uh, the result was kind of uh, there were mixed results for the final product. You know, Peck and Paw was a crazy man, an alcoholic, and the and was fighting with the studio who took a, took away sort of his um, control of the film. But anyways, at some point, Dylan was brought in um, to do the soundtrack because he had written this beautiful song about Billy the Kid. He had heard about the project. He wrote this beautiful song. And so then he was written into the movie. And so Bob Dylan is in Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. And he's he's a strange figure in that movie. He's all twitchiness. He can't really hold still. You wouldn't really call him a natural actor. But um, what's great is that his soundtrack produced not only this beautiful song, but also Knocking on Heaven's Door, which I think is one of Dil- Dylan's most famous songs. So I wrote about both uh, Billy and Knocking on Heaven's Door for recliner notes. But what's great about that song is, first of all, the melody. You know, the melody is just this pure cowboy song, cowboy ballad melody that it feels like we we all just know it inherently, mm-hmm. but it's it's so gorgeous. And Gillian Welsh does a great job with it, as we know she would. But the other thing, talk about withholding. I, this is just re, uh, coming to me now, but I wrote about this in Recliner Notes, is that um, the film is about both Pat Garrett's perspective and Billy the Kid's perspective and so much so it's almost weighed towards Pat's perspective but Dylan only writes about Billy the Kid um, Mm. which I think is really great um, because I think it's the sort of loneliness and paranoia that Billy has at the end of the day is that his best friend is chasing him down so the line is Billy you're so far away from home I think that's what really connected Dylan to the project that's uh, my take. Yeah, that's great. I think I think we're getting some uh, recliner notes fans. People are are uh, turning off the show and just just going to <laughs> reclinernotes.com and and just diving in. No, that's 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 awesome. I didn't I wasn't familiar with with this song um, and this Gillian Welsh uh, version is is really beautiful. Uh, but the yeah, the melody is just so perfect, and you know Dylan uh, holds his own with the melody. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes better than others, um, to be kind. Um, <laughs> but um, Gillian Welsh is a is a master of melody, and so she, yeah, she sells that completely. Let's see a couple other examples from from uh audience this this one uh this person this is uh my buddy par who you might know par used to live in in Asheville. he's got a show here um on on uh radio free brooklyn called climate emergency sos which is a fascinating show where he kind of it's kind of a a world travel log uh which views music in its relationship with the 
uh, climate crisis in different uh, countries, um, which I just think is a, a great idea for a mm. show. And he uh, is super knowledgeable about music and also about Cheers. Uh, he says, Cheers. I'm not certain if this applies, but you never see Norm's wife Vera in Cheers. Uh, never, not yeah. even once. Incidentally, I personally think it was one of the best comedy sitcom shows ever put on television. You know she exists, but you never see her. The bit gets taken so far to the point where you almost think that they're finally going to reveal her in one episode. Just um, as the cast has a Friendsgiving at Carla's place. Uh, that devolves into a food fight. But just as Vera is showing up, a pie gets thrown up that winds up hitting her in the face and she walks in the door so the la- at the last moment you don't get to see her. That's the closest the audience ever gets to quote-unquote seeing her. Otherwise, she is always fully absent in, any, absent in any physical form. She even works at the restaurant upstairs from the bar uh, for a while, but you still never see her. And what apparently been to be a short-lived homage to Cheers, they do the same thing on Frasier as Cheers' right. spinoff show with his brother Niall's wife's Maris, but apparently after a while, they kept the bit running so long that they feel they couldn't turn back. So you also never see her the entirety of the show. And these are both shows that were on TV for over a decade. So it's a long time to keep this up and have whole plots revolving around people that you never see or experience their POV. How about- I like that. My favorite, uh, my favorite joke about Vera is one time um, uh, Norm says, oh, I got to go home. I told Vera I'd pick up some food. And they say, oh, that's nice of you, Norm. And he said, well, I spilled it on the carpet this morning. <laughs> Uh, my friend Salim Hugh Penny, he's, he said, I, I don't know if I'm getting this right, but he, he said um, his examples were stuffed animals with missing eyes, mailboxes and houses with missing digits, um, which is a uh, very uh, poetic. He's a poet, so that uh, makes sense. Um, my friend Julian t- says just the concept of negative space. Um, oh, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, or like white space in a in a in a poem, um, yeah, or in a painting. Yeah, yes, it's, it's mostly used in yeah in, in the visual arts, but also with writing. Yes, yeah, pretty interesting. Another another musical example um, is the. And Jack and Diane, which I'm not a, I actually, I'm the opposite of not a, well, I'm further than not a huge fan of, of John Cougar Mellencamp. I actually really kind of detest him, but the Coog, <laughs> but, uh, Jack and Diane, um, those, the hand claps that you hear in, in that backing track, that was just a guide, uh, track. And then they, they, uh, left it in and didn't, and I, uh, I like that. Um, which is kind of the opposite, but it, it still uh, makes sense. And then um, this guy, what's the, uh, this guy does a hair metal show on uh, Radio Free Brooklyn, and I'm blanking on his name, but he talked about cymbals and rock drummers versus producers. So producers are always trying to get drummers, uh, rock drummers to play less uh, cymbals in, in recordings. Uh, drummers always want to accent things with their crash cymbal. And it's an ongoing struggle. Um, so where producers would lever, rather uh, uh, leave things uh, out. <laughs> um, what about 
since we're talking about heavy metal, what about the drummer for Def Leppard who's missing an arm? Yes. Yeah. And uh, and does it. What about that old, you're a musician, John. What about that now? I think it's kind of a cliche, but like you, you play the notes that aren't there mm-hmm. or... Like, yeah. uh, don't play the notes that should be there yeah. or something like or that. Or Miles yeah. Davis talks about how, how the, the the notes that you don't play are, are more, more important That's than it. anything. Um, That's much more beautiful than what I was saying. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the guy's name is Gabriel Aniel, and uh, his show is Hair Metal Mixtape, and it's pretty awesome. He's got a, uh, speaking of a great radio voice, he's got one. Um, let you want to talk about, um, this Lou Reed cover now? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll make it quick. Uh, this is going to go up on reclinernotes.com tomorrow. Uh, but foot of pride is a, uh, pretty obscure Bob Dylan song. Uh, he didn't release it originally on infidels when he recorded it in 1983 and it only came out later for the bootleg series. Um, you know, less than 10 years later, but it's this masterful um, song filled with one-liners, punchlines, gut punches. Um, He he said he only deals in cash or sells tickets to a plane crash. They'd like to take all this money from sin, build big universities to study in, sing Amazing Grace all the way to the Swiss banks, (laughs) or they kill babies. They kill babies in the crib and say only the good die young. So this is Dylan. He's just just going all in on the idea of pride. And so I I get into that a little bit. But, you know, those kind of lines, that sort of cynicism um, is perfect for Lou Reed, right? Yeah. And so, so, you know, they did this like um, celebration for Bob Dylan back in 1992, a whole bunch of like big rock guys and and women got together um, and performed Bob Dylan songs in Madison Square Garden. And Lou Reed was there, and it's just an incredible performance. He kind of turns Booker T and the MGs into Neil Young's crazy horse. Um, <laughs> and and he's just, like, you can see in the video for the song, Lou doesn't know the words at all because there's, like, you know, so many words in there, but he's just spitting them out and it's hilarious and he nails it. Um, so I love this cover of, of a Dylan song by Lou Reed. I love it. Well, Scott, I, w- I wish we had a whole nother hour to do this. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, and I would love to, to have you back. Uh, Scott does, um, Steve Sachs syndrome with the hilarious Tom Everett. What you do it Saturday? You you your schedule is is shifted around. When do you do it with Tom Chalmers? Uh, it's it it's uh, up on AshevilleFM.org at seven p.m. on Wednesday nights. But also you can wherever you get podcasts. It's there on Thursday. Uh, excuse me, Wednesday morning. So just search for Steve Sachs Syndrome. Into That's sports and radio. Yeah, sports radio, Steve Sachs Syndrome. Yeah. Um, and recliner notes, you're going to be writing about Bob Dylan all year, right? Pretty much. I, I've committed to writing about 80 of my favorite Bob Dylan songs. So 
I'm writing every morning. I love it. Well, uh, Scott, thank you so much. And um, I hope to, to talk to you soon. Thanks, John. I really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. Yes. Yeah. Bye, bud. Bye. Did you know that Radio Free Brooklyn is sponsored in part by Flatland Medical Supplies? They offer little to no cost medical braces. For more information, call 844-598-6639, guys. I'm serious. Flatman, Flatman. It's a Flatman. It's a Slenderman. Flatland Medical Supplies. Little or no cost medical braces. I don't know if we still do uh, um, city running tours, but maybe if you you have a city running tours injury, you can get a, a medical brace from from uh, Flatland Medical. Thank you to Flatland Medical for the for the sponsorship. If you like what you're hearing, uh, you can uh, you can text RFB one two three to four four three two one. I'm going to say that again because I know you're getting your phone out. You want to make a quick donation because you love what what you're hearing and you know how hard COVID has hit, has hit us as a as a station. Text RFB one two three to four four three two one. Um, if you're listening to this on your computer, you can download the app for your Android or your iPhone. And next week we got a big show. Dr. Lisa will be on. And my dad, Dr. Dad, in studio, both in studio, if if all goes as planned. And we will uh, be doing kind of a mental health hour. How about that for uh, for good radio? All right, I'm going to get out of the way for Crime Talk BK. But I'm going to leave you all with one last tune. Uh, this is one of my favorite tunes. This is... Uh, George Michael's song by Lou Reed. Good good version of uh, Foot of Pride. This is one of my favorite George Michael tunes, and it fits the bill because um, there's no snare drum on this song. Um, just the, like, really minimal... Uh, drums and they they uh, you can imagine what it would sound like it would sound like a much different song with a, a typical R&B treatment but he went subtle with this one more try off of the Faith album I will talk to you guys next week have a great week thanks again to Scott Bunn and all of our uh, listeners for being so smart and engaged race to the bottom peace
played the wrong song i think it was father figure because this one has a snare drum but it's still a great song just needed to correct the record talk to you next week i've heard the song 